And I'm looking forward to our next guest who joins us right now via the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. He covers all things NFL for NFL.com. He is Eric Edholm. He's been on our station numerous times in the past, and I'm happy to have him with us here tonight. Eric, appreciate you giving us a few minutes tonight, man. Thank you so much. Pleasure's mine. What's going on? Not much. I, I want to start with what I when I sort of sent you a message about coming on, the, the piece yeah. that you wrote over the weekend where you highlighted some storylines going into the season that you think have been overblown and some others that you think deserve to be talked about more. One of the things that you mentioned, which I'm sure piqued the interest of many Browns fans here in Cleveland, is that the Browns are what you call sneaky contenders. Why aren't the Browns, you think, being talked enough about being contenders? And do you think they do deserve more media attention? Previous season bias. I mean, I, th- I really think that it's always going to be the reason why we have these, you know, so-called, you know, out of nowhere teams or whatever. And obviously we've had this streak of years where a last place team ends up finishing first the next year. You know, it, it's like filling out your bracket. You just do it automatically at this point. But you know, people are always still going to look at last year's standings. The, the most recent impression in their mind, they're going to say, ah, yeah, the Browns aren't any good anymore. You know, just move on. I think a lot of people did that with the Vikings last year. You know, were they a great team at 13-4? and four? I don't know. I think they were uh, closer to an 11-win team, but you'd say, hey, that's, a, you know, that's above what most people thought. I see a very kind of comparable situation there in Cleveland this year. I understand why – well, let me go to this next because you mentioned in the piece that – you didn't include the Browns in your top 10 yeah. uh, most complete rosters. And aside from the fact that you obviously felt that some of these other teams have more complete rosters, what was the reasoning behind not including them? Like, what do you think the Browns are missing that kind of kept them out of that top 10 for you? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is is kind of seeing how some of the new pieces come together. Obviously, you know, we, we've been kind of begging for – a full defensive line, right? Not just in the middle defensive tackle, but also complimenting miles. And, you know, I, I think they've accomplished that, right? They've gotten two pass rushers. This are three, I guess we include Isaiah McGuire in the draft and, you know, even Lonnie Phelps is a good college player. So, you know, I'm just trying to think of some of the other guys they've added and you say, that's pretty good, but there's still a lot of uh, guesswork, right? New defensive coordinator. How's Jim going to make it all work up front? Uh, last time we saw their secondary was, you know, good in some spots, not great in others. Again, a lot of these changes are kind of speculative, but I, I do think that they've addressed enough of very targeted off-season acquisitions that I think will help. And, you know, Cedric Tillman, they did well in the draft without, you know, first or second round picks. That's, that's all you can ask out of a team. Talking with Eric Edholm here on the show you mentioned it, it's funny because the the main talking point for all of us here in Cleveland of late going up leading up to the 2023 season is of course like it's the, it's the it's the obvious they they will go as Deshaun Watson goes and you kind of sure. hinted at that through in your piece as well. I here's the thing I keep kind of going back to though and I don't know you can if you think I'm I'm crazy for for thinking this go ahead and say it but I guess I just think we're making too big of a deal out of the six games last year. And, and I understand where that's the only tangible game footage that Browns fans have at this point. And it's the only tangible game footage you have with Deshaun really from the last two years. So, of course, people are going to look at it and say, well, is this guy lost a step? Is he going to ever get back to that? I understand. I just think, like, there's no way. I, there was a lot of circumstances that led to 
him playing the way he did last year, all the off the field stuff, suspended for as long as he was, probably didn't get to really integrate to the team as much as he wanted in his first year there. Uh, offense was probably more built so for Jacoby Brissett than it was for him. Uh, like yeah. all that's kind of out of his way now. I just think like there's no way this guy forgot how to play quarterback at a high level like he did when he was in Houston a couple years ago. I, I just don't buy that that is who he is. I think he's going to be okay, but am I maybe downplaying the six games too much? No, I, I tend to agree with you, right? I mean, it, it didn't go the way anyone hoped, uh, you know, who, who was supporting the team or, you know, wanted to see Watson do well there or whatever. And again, let, you, you always have to preface it, right, with the, with the off-the-field stuff. Nobody was, you know, I, rooting for him for, for football reasons, right? I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Um, and it, was, it didn't go as planned. It didn't look right. It was it was strained. It was awkward. You could tell. I think really the, the, the mental heft that he had to bear, whether, again, whatever side you fall on and on what happened, I mean, it's a lot put on a person. And – I think he dragged a lot of that onto the field. And, and it was just – that was a big part of it. We haven't really been talking about it much nationally, right? I know obviously locally you guys are, are thinking about it all the time. But he hasn't been on a subject of debate recently. And I think sort of staying in the the, the national shadows a little bit is, is probably going to help him focus on football mm. this year. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, another thing we've been talking about locally here – is at least from our lens, we believe that Kevin Stefanski is kind of on the hot seat. Not not kind yeah. of. We think he is on the hot seat going into the season. Like the the big talking point around him is just if they don't make the playoffs this year, there's a very likely scenario that he's probably gone going into 2024. Um, is there a coach you think on a hotter seat than Stefanski, or maybe maybe being too hyperbolic with him being at the top of that list? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd have to give the other one a little bit of thought. But, yeah, I mean, I think he is. You know, I mean, you, you, you absolutely can't in this league. You know, it's not we're not at NBA levels yet, right? But there's also – there are franchises who will pull the plug after one year. And you never know, especially in Cleveland, right? We know who owns the team. And we know that it's it hasn't always been the traditional path, and they may have final say on this thing to where they – go over the top or rule out overrule somebody I don't know so yeah there's a lot of factors there but yeah I think that sometimes gets a coach kind of dialed in like on what's most important what do we have to master this year to avoid what happened last season all all circumstances considered I just I I think they still have a playoff type roster and I had them at 11 or 12 in that list that you referenced earlier I just couldn't quite squeeze them in but they're they're close Talking with Eric at home on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Again, writes for NFL.com. You can find all his work there. Also follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore at home. I was just talking before we we brought you in, Eric, last segment, just about um, I saw Melvin Gordon's comments um, where he said that playing running back is the worst position to play right now just from a value standpoint because you don't get paid and, and nobody really values them. And I've kind of, I haven't fully vetted this, but kind of a thought I've been having is, are are we going to get to a point where, I mean, you see all the time quarterbacks that are athletic, like Lamar Jackson is maybe one of the more recent examples of this, where when they come out, everyone's telling them, oh, you should just go be a wide receiver. Do we get to a point, you think, where running backs coming out of college, maybe they don't even try to reclassify as a wide receiver, 
But they tried to spin the odds in their favor where they go through the process of, and try to show these scouts and people both on their tape in college and the way they're using the offense, but also through the draft process sure. that they can do what wide receivers do and almost try to change the value of the position ahead of time to kind of reclaim some of that money back in their favor. Is there a way that they can go about this where at some point running backs get value back? There, there are two who have been able to sort of pull that, that, that trick off that you're talking about. They both play for the same team. <laughs> Debo Samuel and, and um, what's his name? Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, yeah. right. I mean, yeah. I guess Samuel would say he's a wide receiver more than a running back, but still, right? I mean, he's in that same kind of vein. And then Alvin Kamara's contract still holds up, you know, and it's obviously somewhat of a point of contention for the Saints right now. And, you know, as he's sort of at a, maybe a crossroads in his career, but, I do think big picture, you know, we had one of the biggest rushing years in recent NFL history last year. I think it was like 120 yards a game. Now that includes the quarterback game as well, but you, you've seen teams now react to lighter defenses, nickel yeah. and dime and, you know, sort of your three safety base and all that. All right, well, you better be prepared to take on, you know, 22 personnel and we're going to jam it down your throat. So Obviously, the quarterbacks still drive the offenses, but there's a little more of that. Whether it translates to value, though, still, I think your point is true. You got to be able to catch the football or have rare, special running ability and be at least average in that regard. Like Jonathan Taylor, I would say, is above average as a receiver and a great running back. He would be a, you know, as close to a a guy yeah. who could get paid as there is in that vein. Yeah, I'm, I'm so curious to see like where the evolution of that position goes because yeah. it's almost like we talk in the NBA a lot about like positionless basketball nowadays and nobody really is designated anywhere and you got these seven-footers like Victor yeah. Wembanyama coming out who can you know dribble the basketball up the floor and run your offense essentially. And I just wonder if that's almost where that position goes, where it's like you can be a receiver, you can be a running back, you bring up a good point with Debo Samuel kind of coming from the receiver side but being able to do both, and Christian McCaffrey yeah. being a running back and being able to do both. I'm so fascinated where it goes. So I, maybe the way to describe it is just like, is there a future where the lines become even more blurred and that position is able to kind of get back to the table that way? So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, and if, and if the players can pull it all off, that's the hard thing, is being yeah. good enough to play those two two or three spots, that's that's really tough. And, and yeah, to, to that point, like, you know, you mentioned Victor Wembanyama in the NBA and how everyone's, like, fascinated to see what he becomes as this crazy, never-before-seen player. Right. Do we get that in, this like, these types of roles where now everyone's looking for that guy who can do all that and be this, like, the next Swiss Army Knife player but do it at a higher level than the last guy. So, yeah, it's something to keep an eye on, I'm sure, moving forward. Again, Eric Edholm joined us here on the hotline. Another thing you mentioned in this piece, Kyle, Kyler Murray's future, and yeah. you bring up a good point, like, especially after they traded DeAndre Hopkins and they're doing some reshuffling along the line and you have new coaching staff in there and GM, like, it sure looks like a place where maybe Kyler Murray is going to be an odd man out because they're going to want to rebuild what do you think the future does hold for Kyler Murray? Yeah, I mean, if you go back one year, this is about when he signed his contract, and, and go back and look to, to you know, it was kind of awkward at the time. There was a little bit of a strained relationship, and then he signs the deal, and initially there was this clause about him having to study four hours yeah. a week. I mean, it you know, it was very strange to have it, A, signed, and then B, retracted later. Uh, the whole thing was bizarre to me. And last year, even before the injury, I mean, it just – 
it felt not great, right? Obviously, we saw Cliff Kingsbury on his way out. Their relationship was strained. Was it only that? You know, is he going to be pumped about Jonathan Gannon? I don't know. Where, where is Kyler's head at right now as he enters this sort of pivotal season? And is he even ready for week one? You know, I know the, the reports have been very, you know, positive and, hey, we've seen some great stuff, but there's been no guarantee about him returning. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, his contract kind of does boat anchor him there out in the desert, but if some young team, you know, some team believes that he's this young guy with talent, maybe they come rescue him and don't have to give up very much to do so. I think here in Cleveland we recognize that the um, AFC North is clearly going to be one of the more competitive divisions in football, at least we think, when you have the Bengals, who obviously had another nice run last year. Ravens, Steelers, Browns all could be in the conversation, especially with elite quarterback play, if they they all get that. Um, But another division in the AFC that certainly is loaded is the AFC East, where the Bills have obviously been the the creme de la creme for the last several years, but the Dolphins maybe gained some ground last year, and now you throw in the Jets who add Aaron Rodgers. Jets or Dolphins a bigger threat to Buffalo, and who ultimately does win the division in your eyes? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, Miami played them tough, right? Obviously, yeah. just to go back to last year, you think of what, what Miami was able to do to them. They, they beat them there. The, the clock runs out there at the end. Miami, Dorsey throws his headset, uh, you know, gave them uh, a hard time up in the, in the cold weather up there, too. So, you know, obviously, Rogers changes things. And you think about how they got to 7-9 and nine last year was pretty Bad quarterback play, certainly very uneven. A couple of games where it really shined, but it was not consistent at all. We know the Zach Wilson story. You figure, even if Aaron Rodgers isn't spectacular, like if he's just sort of solid, like second half of last year, how he played, I mean, how are they not better? I don't know. So are they enough to overtake the Dolphins? And does this recent Tyreek Hill stuff scare them a little bit? about a possible suspension if yeah, something right. happens. I don't know. You know, that's the big question lingering right now. I'll get you out of here with this. If you had to pick a team that is due for regression this year, so obviously like a team that obviously had a good season last year that yeah. maybe takes a step back, who are you looking at and why? I'm dipping back into the pond. I kind of put my toe in earlier with the Vikings. I, You know, I, I sort of made <laughs> it. Fair. I didn't think they were a 13-win team last year. They got outscored, right? I mean, with that, let's start with that, the point differential. But um, it doesn't feel like their defense has made enough strides, especially in the secondary, in my opinion, to do much about what happened. They lose Patrick Peterson, who was, was pretty good for him last year. It wasn't great, but he was pretty good, you know, and a lot of young guys in there. I know Brian Flores is going to probably tighten things up, but – going to take a while to adjust and i'm not sure they're going to be quite as explosive offensively you see them you know obviously trading off the darius you know you guys know full well and cook's gone and you know there's there's a clear shifting of the tides of brew and i think cousins is probably going to be at that that crossroads season where he very well could be playing elsewhere next year He's Eric Edholm, covers the NFL over at NFL.com. Again, follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. And you can read all his stuff over at NFL.com as well, including the piece we referenced about the storylines that are being overblown and some that deserve more attention. If you, you want somebody who's finally hyping up the Browns, Eric's that guy with this piece. So, Eric, I always appreciate your insight, my man. Let's plan on uh, reconnecting again as we get closer and closer to the season. How about that? I'll be your hype, man. All right. I'm good. (laughs) Appreciate it, Eric. Have a good night. All right, man. Thank you.